Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Foodies, I've been excited to release this episode. This episode, I don't want to compare it to other ones. I don't want to say it's my favorite. It's like, it's like children. How do you say that one child is better than the other? Although, you know, deep down inside, that one is. But <laughs> but this episode gives all the episodes a run for their money. I get to talk with Liz Lockman, Susan Feniger. These are two amazing women that so many words I could use to describe this episode. But just really, just delightful and fun and the jovial and we we laugh a lot liz is a filmmaker susan is a chef so come on this 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 show is called foodie films does it get any better than that we've got a filmmaker and a food maker this is this is my heaven <laughs> and I, I i just i love this episode so much it was just a blast talking with the two of them thank you liz thank you susan so much for coming on uh anything else oh i didn't wish you all a happy fourth of july at the beginning of the last episode for hamburger the motion picture what a ridiculous movie that was it was great having christian larson on we talked a long one for that this is also a longer episode so we're gonna get to it Anything else? Oh, in the beginning, we kind of were already having a conversation once I started hitting record. So it was the day after my birthday. If you follow, which I hope you all follow me on Instagram at Foodie Films Media, um, I posted the picture of the big bowl of baby back, you know, barbecue ribs that my mom makes my very, uh, you know, my go-to dish on my birthday. And so they were looking at that picture to put a little face to the voice. Uh, and yeah, so I think that's about it. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. I, I know you all will enjoy this episode as much as I do, because it's just impossible to feel any other way about it. So here we go, Liz and Susan. Oh, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah, those happy are... Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, Yum. That's... 
it's uh it's my Jesus years I call it because I turned thirty three and uh, yeah. that's that's um, the age D- Jesus was at the end. Not that I'm a religious. I don't end, know why. Uh, right, yeah. but but you're kind of referencing like the death of Jesus. Yeah, should, exactly. When he sacrificed just, himself. For yeah. Why don't you just do do what other people do and sacrifice the birth? There you go. All right. <laughs> Isn't that that gives you a little more a little more room at the top there for growth? Yeah, those ribs I guess so. look good. I think I'm gonna make those. She's looking at the for ribs. July fourth, smacking her lips. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I those were. And that's after I rudely said you're holding a plate of something gross. Isn't that nice of me? <laughs> Shows you I'm not a foodie, doesn't it? I'm sorry. Did I hurt your feelings, Kyle? Oh no, not at all. No, okay, no, no. Good. They are they are sticky. They are messy, but they are yeah. something that uh, I tend to request on my birthday. What's and- the What's the marinade at? What's the marinade on them? She usually uses uh, sweet baby rays. I know. Wait, did your mom make these? Yeah, my mom made them. Yeah, nice, really yeah. nice. Very nice. What a nice yeah, thing. You know, my, my mother never cooked. Thus, <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, her her mother. This was one of her dishes oh. that I remember. I always went to. So my mother's mother on Saturday nights, and then my father's mother on Sunday nights. Wow. And um, for at least I don't know the first. My mom's mom, first like 10, 12 years of my life, and then my father's mom through high school. And then once I, you know, went to college, then obviously it was less and less, but we still go there every Christmas Eve for Italian dinner. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the the barbecue ribs that was one of the staple dishes and like macaroni and cheese. But my mom has excelled, I believe, past that grandmother just because she's my mom is a big foodie, and I didn't realize it for a long time, but that's where I get a lot of my food um influences just as far as interest i should say food interests yeah yeah, yeah. you cool. know susan made macaroni and cheese um mexican style the other night Ooh, yeah. Yeah, what, <laughs> what defines like a mexican style you know i did it with uh chipotle and three mexican cheeses that was it it's basically just the same thing cream cheese and and pasta very light all the stuff that'll kill you basically yeah <laughs> so maybe you had the right idea with your you know jesus death thing going on there <laughs> I just, yeah that, that was the the, the macaroni <laughs> macaroni and cheese is the uh is the favorite dish on aids life cycle that ride so it was a virtual ah. so it was a virtual demo i did of a mexican twist on that you know, when they were doing the virtual AIDS life cycle. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. That's what everyone's got to do, right? Well, I don't know about uh, the two of you, but I live in Jersey City and in New Jersey. Just yesterday, it was almost like a birthday gift. They uh, We started to do outdoor seating again. Yeah. But wow. for a while, it's been a lot of virtual eating together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I want to go back to one thing, just because for anyone who's going to hear this who might be a foodie, not me. Um, what kind, what, do I need to say it again? Um, what three Mexican cheeses were they for people who want to make it and want to make it with Mexican cheese? Oh, very good. Cause I would not know that. Right. <laughs> if I were a cook and I was like Mexican, Oh, I want to do it. And I would say it just like that. I wouldn't know. Panela, Cotija and Manchego. Ooh, those are the three, Manchego. those are the three cheeses that. You know, but really, in the end, it's about cheese that melts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and 
cream and macaroni and then whatever else, you know. And what, where, how much of the Chipotle? Like, what is, first of all, is the it flavor. dried? What is, I don't even know what Chipotle is. It's a chili, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't I know. that scary? It's scary. <laughs> I, Kyle, I feel like the two of us are interviewing Susan. We've lived no, together. I, I, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm ready for this. I just, I just want to listen. This is such a treat for me. I will represent all it's the people embarrassing. Who don't cook. It's embarrassing. We've <laughs> lived world. together 25 years, and wow. you know, wait. Let me. Let me correct Susan. We've been together 25 years. We have not lived. Oh, together. 23. Oh, yeah. 23. Wow. We've lived right? together. I staved her off for two years. <laughs> my my girlfriend just moved in two weeks ago, so it's been a big. Uh, oh yeah. wow! Two yeah, weeks for, ago. First, First time living with a significant other, so. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Hold on a second. Okay. How long have you been together, first of all? It'll be our first date was January uh, 23rd, two years ago. So oh, two and a half years okay. ago. Yeah. See? Okay. That's a nice, yeah. healthy time. Yeah, yeah I, I think so, other. too. I think yeah. so, too. That's Everyone else like is just like. Yeah, everyone else is like, oh, so does this mean there's going to be a question asked soon? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I, I'd like to live together for at least a year. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, no, I mean, no, I like that. Yeah. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> yes, exactly. I think Susan, Susan and I didn't get married until about four years ago, right? And it was mm. because my mother, who just turned 97 a few days ago, called. Oh, wow. Su this is funny. She called Susan. I didn't know anything about this. My mother calls Susan and apparently says, well, don't you think it's time you get married? And mm. yeah. And uh, Susan, wow. I don't, and say? then I thought I don't like, think Susan knew what to say. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> we, so we ended up, we did, we ended up like getting married on Friday, the 13th. <laughs> uh, just so we just for fun yeah. just for fun there you go i like it well the thing is i call my mother when susan tells me this and i said mom are you she's because she said i'm not getting any younger you know and, you know this is the thing she holds over my head is you know i'm gonna die soon so you better do whatever i tell you oh boy yeah it never uh, changes oh yeah i have an older sister and so i have a, a niece that's gonna be two years old in august and my mother was never like a like she didn't guilt us a lot, but I would have thought by having a granddaughter, like it, you know, it's the first grandchild, that things would ease up. But she's said more things to me like, wow. "Oh well, at least um, I'll get to know Elizabeth, who's my niece." Referencing oh that, my she... God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. that if and when I have kids. <laughs> I thought Jewish guilt was bad. Oh, no. Wow. Irish Catholics are bad. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we ended up, so I called my mom. I said, Mom, are you going somewhere? She says, no, I just wanted to light a fire under Susan. <laughs> what? What's going on? Yeah, really. Boy, the mother. chef needed a fire lit? Oh, yeah, my. right? Yes, oh, I guess. Good one, Kyle. Good one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's the end of this episode. I retired. No, <laughs> yeah, Mike dropped the end. Exactly. Well, you know what? For the foodies that are listening right now, I mean, I feel like they should know both of your names, but please introduce yourselves and just give us a little, uh, little backstory on yourselves. All right. Liz, you go. Okay. I'm Liz Lockman. I'm a writer, director, um, short films up until now, working on developing my first feature, 
And um, the most recent short was Pin Up, which is a psychological uh, drama. And it won a bunch of awards at uh, festivals. So that's the one I'm trying to develop into a feature. Oh, and awesome. Yeah, I watched how, it. I, re I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. oh thank you. You're thank welcome. you. Um, so, so that, that, uh, that's where I am in that part of the career. What were you going to say, Susan? How many awards did it get? Oh, look at <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me introduce you to my agent. Um, yeah. 30, 30 festival awards. Wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah, it, that's really, really amazing. It's, it's such, it's great. The, 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 the problem, not problem. The thing about like, you know, life is okay. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Now what? So I really want to make a feature film, you know, before I die. And, um, you know, I, uh, so now I'm looking toward that. So I've always got new goals, you know, um, yeah, my, sure. my past, I was a, a composer, a, a singer songwriter, and I wrote music for television and, um, that's, and got an Emmy for, yeah, oh, I, oh, wait, I, let me introduce you to my, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, that was when we, when Liz and I first met, that was really what she was doing was, you know, yeah, singing and writing music. And mm -hmm. I was sort of, I mean, I was blown away by that because, well, first of all, I love music, but then to, you know, to be driving along in the car and then all of a sudden Liz like would leave a message. Was it a message? On yeah, my voicemail. A voicemail. You know, to myself, with, to herself, <laughs> with like an idea with an idea. And then like, you know, two or three weeks later, her and her writing partner would like she'd come home with a little tape and it would yeah, be this is in the old days. When yeah. And it would be, you know, the beginnings <laughs> of that song. And I'd be like, oh, my God. But that's how but I even like cooking. But I know that's how I feel about when Liz will have an idea about a film. And then and I like think, well, yeah, but what's the whole movie? And then all of a sudden she's written a script. It's like that just blows me away to think yeah. about, like, how do you take an you just have an idea or mm -hmm. you read something interesting and you think and Liz will say, oh, I think that could be a great movie. And then I think, oh, yeah, that probably could. But what is the movie? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? How do you. So, so I think it's telling. Uh, yeah, I guess. That's, yeah, I think we should now in have um, Susan oh. introduce herself. Unless yes, she would, please. Like me would you like me to introduce you, Susan? <laughs> yeah, introduce <laughs> me, will you? Take it away. Um, I'm Susan Feniger, and I am a chef and a restaurateur here in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. <clears throat> we opened our first restaurant before you were born. Um, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and now we have uh, Border Grill at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. And, and by the way, when she says we, she doesn't mean I don't, not Liz. Me. I have a, a, a chef partner, Mary Sue Milliken. We've been partners for 38 years or 39 years. And we own wow. Bo Border Grill at Mandalay Bay. We own... Um, Barbecue Mexicana in Vegas also, and then Border Grill here in L.A. and Socolo Restaurant here in L.A. and some Border Grill trucks. And, you know, we did television uh, when Food Network was first started called Two Hot yeah. Tamales. Yeah, those I've I've watched some of those episodes. Those those are great. And and I caught you. Um, I don't know exactly how long ago you recorded it, but when you were on an episode of The Chef Show. Yeah, that was, that that was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
that was fun. That was about a year ago, I think, or eight months or six months ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Probably more than that. But um, yeah, and, you know, and it's been interesting um, to live with a filmmaker and a writer because, you know, I force Liz, twist her arm every time, like, we, especially during COVID. Oh like, God. I feel like I'm her, pers- cons- I'm her personal videographer now. Oh, my God. Just tons <laughs> of recording. It feels like it's nonstop of, you know, someone needing something recorded and videotaped and blah, blah, blah. So so then I, I, I turn the camera on Susan and she goes, hi, I'm Susan Feniger. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to throw up if I hear that one more time. <laughs> so so I did a I did a group of before I made pinup, I did a group of um, chef tips with Susan Feniger. They were little um, two minute to three minute tips. Mm-hmm. And I decided I wanted to make like a black box. I just wanted her arms because she's so iconic. She's got the bracelets and the rings and all this, the jewelry. Uh-huh. And I thought I just want only from elbow to fingertips showing chef gotcha. tips. And, and I don't want to hear her say, hi, I'm Susan Feniger. So <laughs> I made it all music. We did it with no sound. Wow. It's great. It's really, I love them. We did about 16 of them, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was actually kind of, it was challenging and fun. Yeah. Where where can we find these? Um, I think they're on my, uh, a few of them are on uh, my LizLockman.com. Okay. On my my website. Yeah. And, um, but, but at the time I was working on a, I'm still working actually. I was filming Susan when she opened her own restaurant, Street. And I thought this is a very unusual situation where someone who's at the top of their field is having to start over. Who's that? Oh, yeah, it was you. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, yeah, who's that? Um, And I thought, you know, she's starting over because she's doing this without Mary Sue for the Mm -hmm. first time. And because of that, she couldn't use their shared resources, like their their kitchens, their staff for uh, recipe testing, the things they would usually do when they open a restaurant. So basically everything was done out of our homes, out of our homes, our home. And um, it was all, uh, and I thought this is so unusual. It's kind of like she's starting over. Um, And so I I filmed it. I thought it's it's unusual and I'm gonna film this. So I filmed the entire thing. I didn't know what I was gonna do with it, but now I'm working on um, uh, a film about, you know, what happened. And it wasn't pretty. <laughs> well, it was pretty for a while. Yeah, for a while it was pretty. And it pretty. was fun. It was, it was very fun. Well, I mean, Susan is so hilarious. And, and so I thought, you know, what's funny also is we would be in the kitchen alone at night. I'm filming. She's talking to me. And I'm behind the camera. And I start to think, well, what do I do if she holds a piece of something for me to taste while she's cooking? You know, usually the camera person is not in the film. But yeah, I thought, yeah. Right. So I had to like my, you see my hand come out, you know, and I like, it. I like that though. Cause there's yeah. a, a bit, I mean, I like the breaking of the fourth wall and a uh-huh. bit more, you know, I'm sure you get to then see your guys' like relationship a bit more and, but it's not just then cutting to a one-on-one interview of you know right. your face or her face. So I, I like that style. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I didn't realize it until later when I viewed all the footage at once, I didn't realize how much I had little by little had begun. Our, you're right. Exactly. Right. Our relationship began to be a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And well, what, yeah, 
Yeah, well, at one point I had the camera, you know, I'm not really a cinematographer, so I had borrowed a camera from a friend. And, you know, there were times where you just see feet because I had put the camera down thinking it was off, and it was, <laughs> you know, and that happened a number of times. At one point, it's it, the camera's in the car. I'm waiting for Susan. She's having a discussion with the um, with one of the people that was building out the restaurant in the parking lot. And I'm on the phone and I, nothing is on camera. I think it was like an off kilter view of Susan outside. Obviously, I think the camera is off. I'm talking mm. on the phone to someone and I hear my voice say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can take this any longer. I can't stand. I mean, I'm editing her. I'm listening to her. I'm filming her. I can't take it. <laughs> so that's what I realized. I wow. wow. Our relationship is definitely part of this. <laughs> well, I, I like the way like it sounds to start coming together because it almost sounds even a bit of like guerrilla style filmmaking and just in the sense of just that like rawness to it which i mean the documentary also is i mean it's about susan going around and finding like your favorite street food right right and yeah and we also also filmed her because we would take trips to southeast asia and china Uh yeah and and i and i i filmed her there as well finding some of these wonderful recipe i say wonderful because that's how susan thinks of them but yeah for me it wasn't wonderful but whatever that's that's another part of the story (laughs) But well, yes, yeah, it yeah. includes that too. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really, I was really excited to, uh, you know, sit down. I mean, we're a coast apart from one another, but sit down and talk with the two of you. Um, because, I mean, as everyone knows, the podcast is called Foodie Films. So it's the first time I've got a filmmaker and I've got a chef on. And that's just the best of both worlds to me. I mean, the reason this yeah. podcast exists is because while they're two what I would even consider, you know, consider just basic necessities. I mean, food, food more so, but like film, film, music, and food, just like three things, obviously pretty much everyone enjoys, but have just always meant so much to me. And so when I was coming up with the idea of this podcast, I had the reason my username on discord is PS. I love Hoffman. Cause my first podcast and it's still going on. We re, re uh, revisit the films, but we covered all the films of the late great, actor philip seymour hoffman and who's my end all be all favorite actor and when that came to an end and you know we knew it would because there's a finite amount of films but it was a really great catalog 54 feature films and we did about 60 60 plus episodes but uh my friend and i that was my co-host he's doing his own podcast i'm doing this but i was like what do i want to do and honestly the movie chef was a big deal it kind of changed a little bit of like my life trajectory in the sense of how wow. much more I, I travel. Like after I watched that, I, at that point, I really had only been to typically where like a lot of Americans have been just internationally as far as Bermuda, Bahamas, you know. Uh, but then I did a cross country road trip. And then after that, I'm like, wow, that's what, you know, we have to offer. I got to see the rest of the world. So I've done yeah. like, two big trips to Europe. I've been to Thailand. Yeah. Um wow. Yeah, so yeah, just film and food are two things that have been always so special to me and to to sit down with the two of you is a treat. And I I just think, um, I don't know how much the two of you have discussed this, but I just always thought the two were so similar because you have your filmmaker, so you have your writer, director, then you have your chef and they conceptualize something, but then it just becomes such a 
team effort usually you know i mean obviously there can be a more intimate filmmaking style that it's just one person you know one man band kind of stuff um but i don't know just like working in a kitchen and working on set just seem to have so many similarities in that sense yeah i think that's i mean i think that's true i I mean during and this last short film well on a couple of the ones that liz has done i've done the food there the craft services but Mm -hmm. it is Interesting. I think, um, you know, so I haven't been on a set that often. I mean, on TV stuff, I guess I've been on quite a bit, but there is a, you know, there is a camaraderie and, um, you know, there's a, you know, I think between the person, like, I guess the director or whoever is sort of leading the team there is very similar to the chef. You're basically Mm -hmm. sort of directing things and you're cheerleading, you're, you know, certainly a big part of the creative process, but you also want the interaction with your team. I mean, I feel like maybe it's because Mary Sue and I have been uh, partners for so long, chef partners. It's always been very collaborative and collaborative with our chefs or whoever's working for us, even line cooks that, you know, have great ideas. And it seems quite similar to what happens on a set where, you know, you look for, I mean, I saw Liz when she was working with the actors, like on pinup, you know, they're giving input and Liz is sort of directing it, but there is a collaboration. And I mean, I think that's one of the strengths that Mary Sue and I have had in the restaurant business is it is very collaborative with our team. And, um, so I think that it is there is a similarity there. I mean, I think there's a similar a similarity there with um, you know, with sports too. I see the same yeah, kind yeah. of thing that happens on a sports team. So um yeah, I mean I, there's it's very high energy and um cheerleaders are there. Cheerleaders are there. They're not always wearing the same types of outfits, but they're there. Yeah, for sure. I, I see myself as that for sure. Wait, um, I, wait! I have to get rid of the image now of Susan in a little cheerleader. Wait, hold on, hold on. I got it. Susan used to be a cheerleader by by the way yeah, in high school a hundred years oh. ago. Okay. Yeah. So I do have those photos. Yeah, and I and I and I always threaten to use them. But I did. When she gets out of line. But I did do quaaludes, so that made oh, me a better cheerleader. <laughs> you had to say back it. then. Uh, so sorry, you know, sorry. I, I mean, I think there's something wonderful about. I think when in the way where either theater or a movie happens and sort of opens up, it feels like the same kind of thing that happens when. A restaurant is getting all ready, the doors open, and it's like you're on stage then, and everything has to go smoothly at that point. So it feels very similar. And the cast, I think, is very mm-hmm. similar to the you know team that's working and how they work together. So I do see a lot of similarities. So when did you decide to start transforming this in and like creating the documentary. I mean, you were shooting here and you're shooting there, but what made you go like, let me go and make this feature doc and it's called Forks. Yes. I, I think that when it was, when, when the doors opened, that's when I stopped filming. You know, I, it was basically Mm -hmm. the run up. It was all the trials, the tribulations, everything that 
uh, Susan had to uh, marshal to get to this place, including the finding of the recipes, the refining of them, the actual um, building, the actual build out. I always say, you know, there are people who don't love food like me. They don't really care that much. But who doesn't love big trucks? <laughs> so, you know, you want to see like guys building stuff. So I always I made these little episodes for a while, you know, um, in the uh-huh. run up of the opening of the restaurant, sort of like marketing things. But then I started to realize, you know, this is a lot of great footage. And after the restaurant had its untimely demise. Well, what, what also Liz had done um, all like probably 12 or 15 of these short little episodes that were called street noise. Right. And mm-hmm. those were all the things like when we were doing, yes, testing of the recipes at our house and my partner at that time, um, Sasha, who was here all the time. We basically took over our whole house. That was we, fun. Yeah, we took over. You know, we had like, <laughs> oh my God, like three. I, would, eight. I just, I would like to say so Sasha shows up at nine in the morning to start recipe testing. And uh-huh. around midnight, she leaves. And in between that, there are people bringing wine bottles in, new managers, new hires, having meetings. Well, so we, what else could I do but film? <laughs> and, and we were do, but it was every aspect of it. Like, uh, we even did the first uh, server meeting here, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, out on our deck. And we did, you know, what we would, it was going through the whole process. So we would get like, you know, the butcher block that was going to be for the tables delivered. And so then we'd lay out in the living room, you know, what the f- table would look like and what dishes and would we, you know, it, so it was every single part of the restaurant. Even when we shot the street cookbook, we shot it here every day. So, so there were all these aspects of it that, you know, Liz, we were doing like a beer tasting uh, a couple of nights and we were tasting like, I don't know, 25 different beers. And that sounds horrible. That yeah. Really that just... was just, it was really hard. <laughs> well, at about, at about nine 30 at about, so Liz was filming, but tasting beers too. And there were like five of us tasting. And at about nine 30, we were like halfway through and Liz was like, walks in, just said, okay, I like have to go to bed. I, I, was, in my, one, I was in my robe. When I, can't I walked drink back. One more thing. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> You're going to have to finish this without me. But I think but, there were, you know, there, it was because it was all done here, mm-hmm. there was such an opportunity that I think Liz, it was hard. Right. There was, she couldn't really work on her other work because we consumed the whole energy and, of the house. And also, I think when I, you know, I didn't really think about doing the film until after uh, the restaurant, um, I'm going to say it changed form. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say it failed, but I'll say it changed form and it, pa- it passed over. And, uh, and, and I think um, there was such an amazing um, time of Susan figuring out how to move past that emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally, especially. And I thought, you know, what's really interesting to me is the human spirit and how people actually continue after something doesn't happen the way they hope. And, and I know this isn't life and death, but in Susan's career path, this was a very important thing she did. And so the fact that it didn't happen the way she uh, hoped um, and how did she pick herself up again? I mean, you know, again, not life and death, but human spirit. Yes. 
Yeah. I always remember there was a thing about how, how it's not if one fails in life, it's how one fails. You know, do you lay down or do you fail forward fast and keep going? Definitely. So, so that's, that's what made me want to make the film. Yeah. And, and for having been together for so long, what does it mean to tell Susan's story or at least that, that part of her life? Well, and also, well, you know, I noticed that when I'm holding the camera, Susan does things to make me laugh because it's me, <laughs> yeah. you know, she does, she, she acts the way she acts at home, basically like an idiot. <laughs> Susan, I'm, I'm, I'm a ham too. So that's what my friends all, all call me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. If I want to be, fan- be fancy, I'll say lechon, but you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a ham nonetheless. So. Yeah. So, so that's why I thought, you know, no one ever captures Susan the way I know Susan, mm-hmm. you know, how, how really kind of funny and stupid she is. So <laughs> I thought that it was worth it too, because when Susan's on television, she's Susan Feniger, the chef. And when she's home, she's just, you know, stupid Susan. Oh, not really. (laughs) But, you know, she does. She's kind of funny. And so I thought when I looked at the footage, I thought no one ever sees her this way. So part of it was wanting to really show the person that I know as well, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the the intimate person that is behind the scenes when she's not being the person people think they know on TV. So uh, the traveling aspect of it and tasting the foods abroad, you want, want to talk about that? Uh, Liz didn't exactly sound like it was up your alley, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my favorite alley, alley is the perfect yeah. word because that's most, most of the places we were eating was in alleys. <laughs> I mean, my favorite thing when uh, traveling is, you know, is literally eating uh, off of street stands, street food in mm-hmm. neighborhoods. I mean, I never really think like, what restaurants do I want to try? I really don't. It's been interesting because many of my peers have eaten in all these big name restaurants all around the world. I never have. And it part of it is because I'm very, I'm really drawn to street food. I'm really drawn to the relationships that happen when you're walking through a neighborhood and you find some little stand, the relationship that happens with the people that are working those stands, that their homes seem to open up, the connection to what is happening in that culture is much more at the forefront than anywhere else. So what what I have found when when we do eat in restaurants is it it almost feels just way too whitewashed. It just doesn't have the same appeal. So whenever Liz and I are traveling, it, we literally are just walking in neighborhoods and trying to, you know, find places that, you know, maybe going into markets and markets are great too. I love the stands mm-hmm. in there, but really um, I think that there's, you know, something that's so appealing and you learn so much about a culture and people and their food and where it came from, you know, through eating on the street. So that's what that's what we have done now. And I will say this under duress. Yeah, for me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, man, if you have to use a guide to go there, then is it really where I want to be? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we, you know, we did. We took Chinese medicine before and after. So that okay. because we were eating in where no Americans were going. Oh, wow. OK. No Caucasians, if you want the truth. Yeah. And, you know, everybody was like, well, aren't you afraid of getting sick? And I would say yes. So we <laughs> we would just go and take the Chinese medicine and we didn't get sick. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, but that's been, you know, Vietnam, China, oh, yeah, India. We were in China. But, you know, it's interesting because when we would go, we always get a guide because they will always know the places that no one will know about. You but know, it's, it's, we would never yeah. know. And, yeah. But typically it's someone who came referred by someone who's a cook, who's someone who knows someone. So it's yeah, not, so it's I not mean, just a guide. It's a guide who knows food yeah, and, I mean, and street food. You know? So that's what they're, they're they don't have to be necessarily a guide like that's educated as a guide it's someone who lives there who knows the neighborhoods and that's what they're doing right is yeah. you know they know that what your priority is is to go into neighborhoods and eat great street food yeah so to take do- you to where the locals eat what they eat yeah, and just the exactly. most yeah, authentic exactly. version of that yeah, yeah and exactly. i mean honestly some of the food that we have had all over is so spectacular i mean just like the most delicious thing. And sometimes even, you know, you'll go somewhere and you'll have something really interesting. And and what happens is I think I imagine how it could be even better. You know, mm. how could you prepare it and make it even more interesting? But it's the root of what you're getting and the understanding of like how they take a certain product and turn it into something that is so you know, so special. I think, you know, if you get one great idea, it's yeah. amazing. That's, that's amazing. You get one new. And remember there were, there were a few places where we went in Vietnam that we had things that, well, certainly Susan, who's, you know, has had more types of food, never, you never even had some of those things before. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, there were those pancakes, remember on the street? In, yeah. Those in, are uh, fabulous. There was a whole area that our guide took us to that just was just people eating out in an open air, you know, cafe, I guess. Oh, it, this mm-hmm. was great. It was like 20 foot tables, picnic tables, wow. like 20 of them in an alley. And there were four <laughs> cooks. There were four cooks sitting like on the sidewalk, sitting on the, on the ground, basically on tiny little stools that are yeah. like eight inches tall with fire. Right. Yeah. They All each, had a, they, had like, they had like, they had like, um, you know, three burners in front of each of them. And then one person would start a pan, add something to it, and then pass it on to the next person. And then it would just sort of go. And then the, the you know, waiter basically would come and they would drop this pancake that was finished and then all these great, you know, herb garnishes on the side. Yeah. And it would just yeah. go. Everybody ordered the exact same. You just got the same thing. So it was this production line, production line that was amazing. Um, and just, you know, very cool stuff. Or I took a trip to, uh, Tijuana, you know, with two or three of our chefs, not that long ago, mm-hmm. um, maybe a couple years ago and was eating street food. I mean, and of course we've been to Tijuana a bunch, but Tijuana has changed so dramatically. And we came a- about this one sort of salsa off of a street stand that was so interesting. Nothing I'd ever eaten before. And now it's sort of the base of a salsa we're doing at Socolo. That's like my favorite salsa ever. And everybody's favorite salsa. Everybody raves about it and they keep comparing it to crack. 
Yeah. Now, having never done crack, I'm not sure <laughs> what that means, but I think it's kind of interesting. <laughs> but we, we end up traveling. So we ended up traveling quite a bit in those types of trips. Yeah. And after about four or five of those, I said, you know what? I want to choose our next trip. Oh, okay. And yeah, and said because I said, you know, we always do your trip. Why do we have to always do your? And I kind of whined about it, you know. Why do we have to always do your trip? <laughs> so then um, Susan goes, okay, well, where do you want to go? I said, well, I've always wanted to go to Scotland and Ireland. And Susan's exact words, quote unquote, were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I. You know, they're not known for their food, or at least they haven't been in the past. Oh, and yeah, so, exactly. That, right, right. So that was I my one grandmother. It was just like, that's why she knew how to make ribs. Uh, yeah. know, she made the mac and cheese, but she, you know, they're not known for their right. cuisine. At least they right. were for a while. Right. Yeah. They're getting now, I guess, fancier. But but I said to her, okay, here's the deal. I want to, we won't make this a food trip. Susan's like, well, then why am I going? <laughs> like, okay, you need to stop for one minute. <laughs> We're going to make this a music trip. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah. So, what, so I said, because what I want to do is, you know, the the uh, our mountain music in this country came from the Scottish Highlanders who came over, who mm. originally came from Ireland up to Scotland to the Highlands and then came over to our mountains. And I thought, I want to hear, because I know I love mountain music. I mean, traditional American mountain music. And yeah. I thought, I want to hear what it sounded like right before they left. Like, what's the music that they were playing up there compared to what the music became when they got here? Sure. I want to I find that bridge. So that's all we did is we would start, I don't know, 10, 10 p.m. and hit pub after pub after pub. It I was, was going to say, you have to include some whiskey and scotch, right? Oh, yeah. Wow, you know, that sure. was the first time I ever had scotch in my life. And then I became a devotee. Yeah. <laughs> and and it I'm was. I'm drinking it right now. It was, oh, there you go. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. The music we heard. I mean, again, we did sort of a similar thing to food as we just were in neighborhood pubs. Yeah. And. Mm -hmm blown away every single night we would go here every single night for the whole time we were there in ireland we and just, scotland yeah, and we, we would just ask people like where's the best music and you know first they would always think you want to hear the you know the place where the where the tourists go sure but, yeah you know eventually we would get to the place where you know the the, the just the locals would be and it was, how they would just bring in the musicians would just come in with their I love that yeah with their instruments yeah. There's usually a designated place for musicians to sit and drink for free all night. And they just play. So there'd be like 10 seats in a little pub. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, someone would walk in with an instrument and join the group. And then they'd leave and two other people might show up. And we would sit there. I mean, literally every single night we would hear incredible music. Yeah, Obviously, cool. some nights better than others, but... We just had the most fun. It was such an incredible trip. It was like, okay, I don't even want to do a food trip anymore. I just want to do a music <laughs> trip. It was really, really yeah, fun. We did fun. not eat a lot of great food, yeah. I have to say. That was not. Oh, the... you know what, though? Wait a minute. In Inverness, Scotland, I had the best Indian food I've ever tasted. 
Yeah, that was wow. good, right? Yeah, that was delicious. Yeah, that was amazing. That was so before that was we only... went to the pub next door where they had music. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> you know, we drank a ton of Guinness mm-hmm. and heard fabulous music. But what was so interesting in all these neighborhood pubs, they had 99% of them had no food, not even a bag of potato chips. No, nothing. <laughs> no food. So we just, we, they, we, they, they, they call them crisps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not even Thank you. Thank you. He knows. <laughs> Literally. But there was no food. So, you know, we would yeah. get out of the pub like at midnight and it'd be like, oh my and, God. And like, there was no nothing to eat. Yeah. So yeah. then we'd end, we'd end up yeah. at like a pizza place. It was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? So we had to figure that out, you know, the, the but, whole landscape. But it there. was, uh, that was just, I yeah. mean, the music was so wonderful. That was really a fun trip. But, you know, again, like I said, is that, you know, I also, I love music. You know, I love food. Mm-hmm. And I love movies. So that, you know, all, I mean, those are to me like the three most important things is music, food. Wait, I don't hear Liz anywhere in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, we're the same person because you're just saying exactly what I was saying. Yeah, before. yeah I know. They're just yeah. such basic things that I, I, I hate. Sometimes I feel like I'm getting into like a an elitist or snobby territory, but I think when it comes to certain things, but like, I'm like, but I love music. Like everyone can enjoy music, but I love music. Like, I don't know how to explain that sometimes to people. Like, (laughs) I know. I mean, even, you know, even when I was in high school, I honestly, I felt like, um, I felt like music would speak to me. I, I know it's a, it's an interesting thing. I felt like music that there were just there was something there that felt like it was more than just liking music. I felt like it would speak to me. It definitely um I, I don't know, it felt like a very important part of my being. You know, mm-hmm. I never played music or anything. I mean, I played piano for a little bit, and I always have had it on my list that when I retire, I want to play music. <laughs> Even during COVID, oh one God. time I sat down. <laughs> Sat Wait, down to play. This is so funny. The the we have a piano, mm-hmm. lucky lucky us, and and the the my workspace is next to that piano. So during COVID, I was working, and Susan decided to practice her piano for the first time in twenty five years. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, forty years, <laughs> forty years, forty. <laughs> And so she's playing, you know, and she, of course, would make some mistakes and play over and make another mistake and play over and make another mistake and play. Are you getting the gist? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) So at some point, at some point, I, um, the dog came over and laid her head on my lap and I, and I videoed the dog and Susan playing and replaying and replaying. Over the video, I went, help me. Help me. So anyway, yeah. that's how COVID has been treating us. <laughs> but that, I didn't, we didn't kill each other yet. That's good. yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I um, just talking about the way you were talking about Ireland and then musicians walking in and out yeah. just reminds me of my favorite city is New Orleans, and oh, it's just and yeah. just because I mean you get that amazing yeah. food and music combo and. Yep the way the musicians will just, you know, they're so kind to one another and just someone hops in, someone hops mm-hmm. out. Like yeah. even even with people visiting as well, like if you just walk in holding an instrument and I'm <laughs> like, you know, like I grew up, I played the drums and I would sing a little, but I, I wish I could play, 
an instrument like trombone or trumpet but i'm like i just don't know if i can do that to my girlfriend like, uh, like, like just to know, practice but, but drums is not easy either yeah no <laughs> no definitely not yeah i don't have my drum kit here it's still it's in my parents basement oh, oh. <laughs> move it in see what she says yeah exactly <laughs> see how long that lasts yeah exactly <laughs> oh that's funny well you know new orleans we used to go to jazz fest every year Years uh, right before Katrina, we were there at least five years in a row. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. Wow. I have, I have, I have family there, family oh, through okay. marriage. So we would go and really get royal treatment. Oh my but god! My cousin would just like take us around to all the cool clubs, and you know, it was we saw some wonderful. Music we did, at we Jazz did. Fest. Oh, that that yeah. was yeah, very special. Yeah, yeah we I haven't went, been. We went, we went the year after Katrina, but mm -hmm. we haven't been back since. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went for the first time on that cross country road trip. And again, like it was because of chef that's like, okay, I went to Miami. Then I went to like in the movie, they go to New Orleans and then they go yeah. to Austin. So I just kind of retracing the cross country steps that they take in the movie. But right, I, felt, I, felt, I fell in love with New Orleans and just the food and the people and the music. Yeah. And I've been back. I've been, that was five years ago. And I've been back yeah. enough times that I don't keep track anymore. Just because. I, I, so I, I always think that New Orleans is a very unique place in this country. And no matter where I've been, I have never been to another place that is similar, like the same as New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I, I was always trying to figure out what is it? And I think it's like an island culture in the, in the middle of the country. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a very unusual culture and it's cool. Yeah, yeah but it's, a, it's not any place that I have found repeated anywhere else in, in the U.S., it's so just the most, I mean, it reflects obviously in their food as well, like their culture and just the mixing of just so many things like into something like gumbo. Yeah. And it's just such a, like their food is just such a, an analogy for what they are as a culture, as a city. And just mm -hmm. the pride, the pride that they have is just mm -hmm. outstanding. And at the same time, they'll admit that they're, they are their own worst enemies and mm -hmm. on the level of like, political corruption or just right, like well. behind it yeah exactly i mean let's that's not, really, let's not yeah. start there yeah, let's not no start yeah we won't there. yeah exactly about yeah. food and movies yeah. yeah exactly but uh but yeah no that's why in so in january i was down there and i recorded five episodes so throughout february i released uh i started releasing weekly again and i released every episode was a new orleans guest and uh that was just my little tribute to like new orleans and mardi cool. gras oh, cool. and that's really yeah cool. yeah very so cool. when it comes to each of your influences, like, w are there people that stand out or were there, I mean, when it comes to filmmakers or when it comes to chefs or like, like genres of film or genres of cuisine? You know, um, when I, there's, there are different films that I love because I love the storytelling, you mm -hmm. know, and the, and the way, and let's say, you know, the writing. But then there are films that I love because of the director's hand in it, you know, yeah. and and uh, the sort of artistry. And I know all film takes artistry, so I don't mean to separate them that way. But for me, you know, just opinion, the things that have touched me um, the most are Sally Potter's films. And actually, that's one of your favorite films, too. Susan actually didn't realize Sally Potter had made um, a film a number of years ago called The Man Who Cried. 
and it's one of her favorite movies, and it's uh, Sally Potter. And uh, she's the British filmmaker who recently did um, Yes, which is like, I think my number one favorite film of all time. She did Orlando. She's done so many amazing, it's just artistry, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's more than just writing and directing. It's sort of creating at its basic level, um, even with how the camera moves, how the, you know, the movement of the camera creates a mood. And um, that's really an important thing. It's not just point the camera and shoot what the actors are saying, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's so, so she's, I tried in pinup to do a few scenes that I felt were Sally Potterish. <laughs> what would Sally, what would Sally do back to our Jesus moment? <laughs> you know, and that's when I do yeah. the feature of pinup, that's what I'm going to be trying for. Well, how would Sally approach this? You know? Mm, yeah. 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 And I think with food, you know, I mean, my, this one person that really, I think, uh, influenced me quite a bit. This is many, many years ago, um, which was a friend of mine who is a chef and he moved to India and I went to visit him in India and he was cooking on an ashram, all vegetarian and with uh, just the people who live in that village. And that really shifted because all my training was in French kitchens. Mm -hmm. And so here was like the most grassroots kitchen, all vegetarian and use the use of spices in a way that I had never seen. And I really think that shifted my appreciation of strong flavors and it shifted where I wanted to go with food quite a bit. And so even this was back in the early eighties. And I think when I came back, I had just opened city cafe. So 1981, I came back from that first trip to India and put on, you know, two or three Indian dishes, like a, you know, a mint and cilantro chutney and back. So this is back then. And and, you know, a raita and a vegetarian plate that had a curry and a dal and, you know, the use of just spices, you know, cumin and turmeric and, and you know, sweet, that sort of garam masala mixture. And, and it really began to sort of, and then when we opened City Restaurant, we put a tandoori oven in, in 1984. So it really, you know, um, I think that, he was a huge influence on me, Alan Wagner. And um, and then, I, you know, obviously over the years, there's been, ver I mean, various people, you know, back then when I was first starting was people like Escoffier. And, you know, that, tra that trained me a lot to understand the French kitchen. And Ferdinand Point, those are all, you know, sort of old time French chefs that gave me a direction in terms of learning the French kitchen, which I think is like the basics. It's like understanding, you know. It's the boot camp, right? Yeah, it, it is. And then from there, you go around and I think um, you move forward from that as your basis. And mm -hmm. so Alan was a big influence. Certainly Julia Child was a big influence in terms of not as much about her food as about her appreciation for learning and acceptance of um, 
her passion for food and teaching. And so I think she had a big influence on me about her passion for food. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I mean, I think probably for me, I was way more influenced by street vendors and what they were doing and how they cooked and the simplicity of it. And yet the, how complex their flavors were. So, uh, that continues to be the thing that I most, I think, inspired by and influenced by and pushes me in directions that, you know, I don't think I would gain from, you know, professional, well-trained chefs. Yeah. And those three dishes that I saw you uh, and Mary Sue cook on the chef show would just look phenomenal. I mean, I can't wait that- to go back out to Vegas and just between the, the sweet potato and uh, black bean tacos that you guys were doing right yeah and then i think we did you know the cochinita pabil on there too the yucatan pork yeah yeah oh yeah that wrapped in the toasted banana leaves yeah yeah and those two ceviches and i I love the way you you, uh i forget if you or mary sue said it but just that you guys i mean i I thought it looked beautiful on the plate but you're like we don't plate to necessarily look pretty we want it to be flavorful and tasty Yeah, that's, I think, always been our thing is that, you know, it's got to have enough of whatever it is, whether it's, you know, extra virgin olive oil or lime juice or orange juice, you know, those are, you know, it's got to have enough of, you know, like with a ceviche, it's got to have enough of all the garnish, all the vegetables to be balanced, you know, and it might Mm -hmm. not stand up as tall as one might like, but the flavor profile is what you're looking for. Yeah. And without getting to, uh, political. I know we don't want to go there, but what what is it what is the importance of female directors, female chefs uh, be, being out there as as role models mean to the two of you and just I mean a, in a day and age where everyone is so easily connected with social media and all of that. That is a really smarty pants question. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been called a smarty pants in quite some time. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> you may you may quote me. Um, you know, in general, the I mean, the importance of female directors, female anything, has mm-hmm. is is huge. I mean, I hate to even start because I try to strip away and go back backwards in time and say, you know, so Julia Child was a one-off almost, you know. Everyone always mentions her. Um, mostly sure. it, it was men. And, and Susan always talks about mostly men being in the kitchen, the male, the chefs always being men, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's just was accepted. And uh, for, same with directors, same with everything. And so without realizing it, you get a male point of view on, on life, on everything. Yeah. And there are differences, you know? Um, there are, you know, when, when people say the word chick flick, they use it like it's less than, but the, the, all it means is that there's a different point of view that women bring to everything, um, to the way, you know, there's a reason like the people that work for Susan always work for long periods of time there because it's a, it's a great atmosphere, you yeah. know? And I, I remember Susan telling me that like, if anybody was screaming and yelling, they weren't going to last long as a chef in her kitchen. And that's not usually the way people gauge their employees or, or their chef, you know? Um, so that means there's a culture 
around everything. There's a culture around how you run a set. There's a culture around what what point of view you're bringing to a story. And, you know, mostly the culture we've all been raised with has been the male point of view. And there are differences. And so I think it's so important to get more of the other so that it becomes more even-handed and equal and we get to see everybody's point of view because we're all here. It's not like women are not here. We are here. We've been raised on and fed male point of view our whole lives to the point sometimes we don't even know that there is a different point of view. So it's important to have the other show up. Yeah. You know, that's my, that's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I started out, you know, in the seventies, there just, there were so few women in professional kitchens. So Mm -hmm. at that point, you know, at that point, you just really, for me, I just, you know, became one of the guys in the kitchen. Like, could I lift the pot as, you know, big as they lifted? And, you know, and I would always, you know, work work as hard as I could to be able to, you know, just be one of, or or better than, you know, the guy that was next to me. But, but, but wait, be- I just have to say that did train her to pee faster than any woman I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Not that I'm timing her, but. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it, yes. <laughs> it's, um, you know, so back then you just, you know, that was in order to, to be in it, you just had to be one of the gang. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there were always, you know, at that way back then, it was always jokes about, you know, sex jokes and you just became one of the guys. And really, um, you know, you, there's been a huge change and obviously culinary schools. Now you look at it, 50% of the students are women, but what's interesting, the percentage of women, I think it's something like in Vegas, you know, even though it's 50% of the students are women, it's only like 6% of the executive chefs are women. See, that's just crazy. So that's so that something. So there, there well, is it's the same as directors, right? Yeah. How many women directors? Four percent are out there directing. You know, yeah, like Hollywood films. So, so there is a need for, like, for example, women chefs and restaurateurs. There is a need for women to be. Um, to be looked at and held in a different way than what has been in the past, because it's not that there aren't women, at least in my field, there are, whether, you know, they've been able to move up, which is why I think many women back, um, you know, in the time when women chefs started to become sort of popular and in the, in the media, you know, and it was interesting because it was women chefs instead of just, okay, here's a great chef, you know, and, She's a woman and he's a man and they're great chefs, but it was women chefs. But what, you know, what you saw is that women, instead of trying to become an executive chef in a hotel or of a restaurant owned by someone else, they just started opening their own restaants so that they became the boss. And it wasn't dependent on someone hiring them them because women weren't being hired in those executive chef positions, which is why most I don't know most, but many of the well-known women chefs now are chef owners of restaurants. Yeah, no, that's definitely something. I mean, I'm, you know, 
ashamed to say the the comparison the percentage wise of female directors i can name or female even head chefs but i mean i at least from my uh perspective or just my outlook i am seeing a bit of a change and it just in cinema alone it seems like there's been some steps made as far as i mean uh you you definitely know about this as far as how many movies these days are just end up being blockbusters and just everything yeah. happening with the pandemic and uh, I know they're extending I mean award season so other films can be included in it but it just it's a tough time for cinema right now <laughs> yeah. um, but just at least with some of the film like one of my to bring in another kind of John Favreau uh, story of just the Mandalorian and them hiring uh bryce dallas howard and deborah chow and you've got um kathleen kennedy in in charge of all of lucasfilm now it seems like certain steps are being made but hopefully hopefully more yeah because i i grew up i grew up with strong women in my life and it just didn't that almost in a way shaded what was then a very you know everything else just being so male driven but just like having a strong figure like my mom who's been I mean a nurse for 45 years now and just one of the hardest working people that I know and my sister is one of the smartest people I know and she went to Mount Holyoke which was the women's answer to Harvard back in the day because Harvard was for men only so they created that and going going to such an elite school and the fact that they it's still an all-female campus if you go to one of the four other schools on the main road UMass Amherst and all those you can Mm -hmm. take classes at the other schools but Mm -hmm. it's still a female only campus yeah and so you know it's moments like that that I learned but then but still it's it's just uh more stuff I think needs to be brought to light yeah yeah it's like women's voices you know yeah yeah it needs to be heard you know i actually it's funny when you talk about school and and separate women's schools i know they didn't start for necessarily the right reasons which is they you know they couldn't get into men's schools but i think that there is something though about women learning without the pressure of competing you know Mm -hmm. That yeah. is kind of interesting, and this has been a, a pet, a pet uh, thought of mine for many, many years about: Do women learn better when they're not mixed in with men? Because the, there was a many years ago, there was some kind of CBS magazine show where they were doing a, a kindergarten class to try to say, you know, is it better for girls to be separated from boys in their, in oh, their interesting, early, yeah, you know, in their early years of learning? And and uh, they were talking about. He was he was reading a story to the um, the guy that was doing all the interviewing in this this magazine segment, reading a story to kindergartners and asking questions about the pages he had just read. And what showed was that the boys would raise their hands even if they didn't know the answer. Wow. And the, and the girls would, ra- would raise their hand only after they really thought they knew the answer. So boys were getting called on more often. And that's ki- that's kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it doesn't mean that they're different in terms of learning, but how is that girl going to get the opportunity to know, you know, to really show her stuff when she's probably not being called on as often simply because she's thinking about it before she answers, you know? Yeah. It's such an interesting, I mean, when I saw that, it blew my mind. I was like, wow. 
So, you know, it, it might be a, a reason to have separate education for a certain time period, you know, until, mm -hmm. you know, so it's very interesting. Yeah. These, yeah. these gender ideas. Do either of you have any advice you'd like to just to share with, I mean, just even young people out there in general? I mean, I feel like people are tr definitely trying harder, even though, I mean, the gender, I'm, I think I'm considered a... Uh, Okay, a millennial, but generation was a generation Z. Now they just seem to be that much more active and hungry for knowledge and equality. Do you have any advice for them? I mean, well, I mean, I don't know that it's about gender and equality. I mean, mm. I think that you know that the most important thing that someone can do is to try and follow their passion and, you know, do, I mean, I feel like I've been so fortunate in my career in every way, but I also feel that I love, you know, what I do. And I can't imagine having a life and a career that I just didn't love. And I mean, I hear that. I certainly hear friends of friends of ours that are lawyers that like just wish they weren't lawyers, but you know, they've gone, you know, and I, I think that is a stereotype. You hear that from lawyers all the time, but I just think that you can't think about only like, am I going to make a lot of money? How am I going to, you know, move up? It's really got to be driven, not got to be, but I think the best advice is I would follow my passion no matter what and figure out how to, you know, make a living doing that. And, um, you know, I, I also think that in in my career and as I've had restaurants and, you know, employees that have worked for me, I always feel that you want to work in a way and understand that you need to be respectful of everybody, whether it's the dishwasher or the general manager or the VP of operations, that everybody needs to be treated respectfully and mm -hmm. equally. And so that, you know, if you sort of look at, you know, how do you want to be as a leader, as a, as the chef of a kitchen, how you treat people is how you want to be treated. And that I think is so critical. I think when I see chefs who are talking down to people who don't teach, who don't say hello to their team when they come in, I think that they end up not being good leaders and are not successful because of that. So I, I think that would be my, my words of advice is you need to treat everybody respectfully and everybody is part of the team and needs to be thought of no matter what their position is. Yeah. I mean, you have the old saying, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And uh -huh. while that might uh, mm -hmm. be referencing the actual heat, I think it's much more so just the uh, almost the competitiveness and, you know, just the the personalities that you would always hear, at least, you know, from someone that never worked in a professional kitchen, just hearing what it's like back there. But mm -hmm. um it's interesting to see changes happening and while I'm only seeing them via, you know, cooking programs on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. It seems like there is many more chefs and owners trying to create a, a light, a lighter atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, in the big picture of life, you know, it, 
food, you know, the, the restaurant business and working in kitchens, it's, you know, it's small potatoes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is small. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. <laughs> I would like to say that if I were going to advise anyone young starting out, especially in the arts, mm-hmm. I really think besides, you know, learning your craft and all that stuff and learning, I think that finding a mentor is probably a really important step because there's no, there's no, there's so many like ways and yet no real way into the business when you're an artist. Mm -hmm. And, and I think if you have a mentor, it helps to pave some of the way, make some of that way clearer, advise, you know, people who have been in the business. And then I think that's really, really valuable. So that's what my advice would be to someone young, besides the learning of how to do the thing you are passionate about. Yeah, no, that's definitely, I, I've had some mentors over the years and it's just, you know, you just always, at least me, I'm, I am I always, I mean, I guess that's also why I started a, a po- podcast specifically. This one is to ask questions. I love asking questions. I love being wrong because that means I'm learning something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you and Susan have a lot in common. She's, yeah. always, she's always wrong. <laughs> when you ask me, oh, she's, I, always, she's always wrong. I thought you meant always asking questions. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be called foodie films if we didn't discuss at least, I mean, we have discussed a, a couple of films and some TV programs, but, uh, Liz, I have one of your, I was told one of your favorite films is uh, Groundhog Day. Ugh, I, I've probably seen that. I've lived that movie because of seeing it so many times. You've had a Groundhog Day of Groundhog Day? I think so. Yes. I've seen it probably (laughs) 30 something times. I swear to God, that's not even an exaggeration. I didn't like that movie. She's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now uh, with a little podcast magic, I'm going to play the scene for our listeners and then we'll talk about it's the it's the diner scene where Bill Murray is just enjoying everything in front of him. I like to see a man of advancing years throwing caution to the wind. It's inspiring in a way. My years are not advancing as fast as you might think. More coffee, hon? Yeah, just keep it coming, please. Sure thing. It's real nice. Just put that anywhere, pal. Good save. Don't you worry about cholesterol, lung cancer, love handles? I don't worry about anything anymore. What makes you so special? Everybody worries about something. That's exactly what makes me so special. I don't even have to floss. What? The wretch, concentered all in self. Living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung. Unwept, unhonored and unsung Sir Walter Scott (laughs) what you don't like poetry I love poetry I just thought that was Willard Scott I was confused (laughs) you think I'm acting like this because I'm egocentric I know you're egocentric it's your defining characteristic uh are you guys ready we better get going if we're gonna stay ahead of the weather thanks Larry well, would you like a doggy bag? No, I'm going to stay here and finish. I thought you hated this town. Well, it's beginning to grow on me. 
Larry, quit staring. These are excellent. Bon appetit. I, I mean, I love Bill Murray. I, I got to meet him a few times, actually, just from working on different random projects. And he was just one of the nicest people. I was uh, The last time was this press thing for the fantastic Mr. Fox that he did mm-hmm. a voice of, and, you know, yeah. Wes Anderson film. Yeah. And they came in, it was him, Jason Schwartzman, Meryl Streep. I got wow. to meet Meryl Streep. Wow. Was, yeah. That's cool. Uh, Wes Anderson. For some reason, George Clooney wasn't there. But anyway... Bill Murray comes in. It was about a crew of 10 of us, shook every one of our hands, asked our names, and then called us by our names the rest of the day. Oh, wow. wow. We were in some New York, like Manhattan hotel suite, and the uh, the green room was the bedroom, and they were interviewing him out in the living room. And I had closed the windows, and it was some fancy push button stuff and he wanted some fresh air and and he just like he's like come on kyle help me out with this so i go and i open up the window and it just opens up ever so like just enough for him to squeeze his face out and he just is just he's bill murray bill murray i mean i know they've made like documentaries (laughs) about him and people's interactions with him but he just took in a big sniff and went you smell that kid that's the big apple you can make it here you can make it anywhere and start singing the uh start singing the patula clark song <laughs> downtown everything's better and I, oh he's like sing god. along kyle oh and, my god and so that i mean this movie this is definitely one of the earliest movies i saw him in it was probably like this and ghostbusters yeah. but this specific scene and just what it what it means because i mean what what he's going through in that movie that groundhog's day reliving it and reliving it and he's getting to a point that he's just like it doesn't matter anymore i'm just gonna put my body through whatever so i mean what does this film mean to you what does this scene mean to you the way that he puts that entire piece of angel food cake in his mouth (laughs) all at once i i mean i just i always thought is that even possible (laughs) you know i love it because he says i'm i'm a god Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> oh, you're God. And he says, I'm not the God. I'm a God. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is the funniest movie ever. But that's it. I mean, to me, the whole arc of his character is exactly what people go through when they don't want to grow, which is life. You know, how can I not have to do the thing I don't want to do? Like growing up, for example. That's mm-hmm. kind of what he does. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm going to be my own. I'm going to only care about me. And, oh, I want things. So I'm just going to get them. And I'm stuck. And now I've got to do, I don't want to, you know, how can I do things? Now I'm going to get more stuff for me because it doesn't matter because I'm going to wake up and relive the same day anyway. Let me see how (laughs) many, you know, let me see how much stuff I can get for me. Let me see how, if I can get the girl, you know, and it's only when he can't get any of those things and only after he's learned how to be a human being that he gets to get out of that cycle, which is basically life, you know? Yeah. I just, I just love the whole, the whole idea of that movie. And that's why Susan's an idiot because she didn't get it. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't get it. She's an idiot. What did I say before? What? I don't remember. You're an idiot. Oh, Uh, yeah, no, that scene is just what at the end when uh, Andy McDowell is leaving the room, she's like, you're not going to come. He's like, nah, I'm going to stay here and finish. And he just has that whole amount of food in front of him. And he's uh, just putting himself through this because he, he at that point, he just hasn't learned what, right. you know, what are the important things? Right. It doesn't matter. And, yeah. and what, you know, he goes to, it doesn't matter to everything matters, you know? Yeah. And a very, very fast, a uh, very quick 
quick time. So it's, I mean, quick meaning the, after he's done everything. Exactly. You know, then there's nothing left to do except be a good human being. He has the one thing he hasn't tried. <laughs> you know? And Susan, I, love, I, I, I love when no, he wakes ahead, up and, and, and uh, he says, what are you doing here? And she says, you said stay. So I stayed. And he goes, I can't even make a collie stay. <laughs> That's, it's just like a funny line, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's only Bill Murray that can just pull right. off that kind of just, I mean, he goes from crass to like lovable to right? uh, just, just sweet. cynical I, to yeah. sweet. Yeah, I, I have to just say one more thing of my favorite line in that movie is when um, when she, he says, describe your perfect man. Uh-huh. And she's talking about poetry and he loves his mother and he's kind. And he goes, well, this is a man we're talking about, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Susan, I know you uh, you worked on the film Tortilla Soup, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what was what was that experience like? That was very fun. It was, um, you know, first of all, we were cooking at. I we it was the middle of summer. We were in Encino, so it was like a hundred and five degrees. And the kitchen, and really, we were just brought on as consulting chefs. So we were doing, we were training like Hector Elizondo and uh, Elizabeth Pina. Pina, you know, how to hold a pan, how to put a towel over their shoulder. We were just sort of training them and yeah. gave all, they're supposed to be, you know, yeah, uh, they're cooks. professional cooks. So, you know, so we were training them and we gave all the recipes to the food uh, stylist and they were you know, doing everything. And then they were really unhappy with the food stylist, like within a, I don't know, pretty quick after they started filming. So they brought Mary Sue and I on, of course, we are the ones that always pride ourselves in that we don't do pretty food. (laughs) (laughs) Make it look pretty. It was like, oh my God. So we started, you know, we had an outdoor kitchen there. I think it was at Nancy Silverton's parents' house. And it was in there you know, backyard where there was an outdoor kitchen and it was, um, you know, outdoor refrigerators that they rented. But, you know, every time we would come in, like the boxes of avocados and things that were out had been like partially eaten by rats. Oh, nice. And, oh, boy. and but it was so hot. So every time we would do something, you know, you'd get it made and then they go and then it would take like you know, six hours for, was it Raquel Welch? Yeah. For Raquel Welch to come out of her dressing room because she wasn't happy with it. So it was like, okay, well that, we have to remake that thing again. So, but it was, you know, it was totally fun. I mean, I loved working with the actors, you know, Hector Alexander was very fun and very sweet and everybody was. So they they did a cool thing on that film because it was about, it was a, a remake of the Chinese film, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman which yeah, was yeah. Ang, Ang Lee film. And what they decided was that the father's way of cooking and his daughter, I think it was Jackie Oberdor, uh, his daughter's way of cooking were very different. So they made the father cook more like uh border, border grill. grill. Yeah. And Mexican. the daughter was doing more food like Ciudad. So which it was, is- so it was more food from, you know, all over the different America. So you know, it was a little, it was newer and uh, probably cleaner and a little bit more 
hip and cool. And his was a little bit more old fashioned. So we sort of base separated their two styles of cooking that way and the look of their food that way. It was great to see it. Like when it, you know, when we saw the film, Oh, that was an amazing (laughs) thing. We went to see the film. When mm-hmm. it was out, yeah, and we the, got invited as oh, yeah, to part the, of the um, part the of opening, the cast, you know, cast and crew. Yeah. yeah. So, so though, I, if you you probably haven't seen this movie, it's pretty old, but no, I've seen it. I can't I wait. Got, That's definitely yeah. You know, I do the two different. We haven't covered it on the podcast yet. Yeah, yeah. It's all about. It's so much food. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's you know by the end of the movie you're just like wow I got to go get some Mexican food now. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, and and as soon as the film is over, it, it, it fades to black. The first credit up before actors, before anyone, food by Susan Feniger and Mary Sue Millican. <laughs> I'm sitting next to Susan in the and I go, OK, who'd you sleep with? <laughs> they don't just give you that. <laughs> Of course, I mean, we I, had we had no idea that was yeah, happening, yeah. and we didn't even really knew, know what it meant. Like, like how big of a deal like, is oh, that? Oh, there we are! Look, yeah. there's our name, and oh Liz my, was like, "Oh my god, that's the first yeah, thing!" Yeah, For, wow. <laughs> that was such a cool it thing. was very fun to do that. We remember had the big really pig. Good, remember the big pig? Yeah, on the that table? was incredible. They had yeah. to do a full pig it was gross well you had to do a full pig but it had to be you know it had to stay looking really fabulous through the whole thing so yeah yeah and we were doing everything outside so you know it was Uh, it was challenging in the heat to have things not wilt and then go from the heat outside to the heat under the lights so it was Uh, challenging we learned a ton we learned a ton from doing it i can't imagine because it is just when when you get to big productions like that it just tends to be in industry of hurry up and wait and yeah uh, from yeah. my experiences at least uh so that's that's really cool I'm, I'm curious did you and uh roy Choi bond over that in that sense because that's what he was for john favreau on chef and that i mean that's how i got to know about him and everything he's doing but uh, curious if, if that was brought up yeah I, I knew roy was doing that um yeah no i mean you know I've known Roy forever, so we're old <laughs> yeah. pals in general. But no, we actually didn't even talk about that. That was, you know, that. Yeah, no, that's that's just one of the the I, the interesting when I saw that the Chef Show was happening, and it was just funny, like to see their relationship. You know, they they said it was like, oh, we went through kind of like a breakup, just to how intimate they were <laughs> on set and just always around, and that's yeah, how the the show came to be. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's just that's that's really cool. I definitely uh, maybe I mean, if you guys are having a good time, hopefully maybe in the future we can talk uh, tortilla soup together. Oh, yeah, maybe. that'd be great. That'd be fun. I have to watch it again. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, last but not least, I just have a little round called gut instincts. It's just supposed to be uh, whatever comes to you first when I ask you these questions. OK. And are we okay. both doing it at the same time? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if uh, who, if someone wants to designate themselves going first or if you just obviously okay, you, you know, go first. I'll just I'm you gonna, go first. I don't want, You're, we're going to be pummeling each other over the yeah I don't yeah. want you one one to be like a little boy just always answer it yeah, yeah it is. Susan, <laughs> it is. Susan's always there raising her hand first <laughs> okay. you're not going to forget that now are you no, I'm not. That's like one really of the most, especially having having a uh, an almost two year old niece who yeah. is just so so bright. It's just mm-hmm. crazy to see the level. I mean, both of her parents mm-hmm. are very smart, but just like that's something I'm gonna like hold in my back pocket and be yeah. just like 
<laughs> paying yeah. attention to. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff people, you don't even realize the teacher doesn't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Okay. Well, all right. First question. Yeah. Favorite fast food. Carl's big star. Mm. Carl's Carl's junior. Big star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Street tacos. Nice. Yeah, I, we don't even eat fat. Well, you might. I don't even eat fast food yeah. anymore. Not for many years. So there. I used to threaten Susan, though. I said, you know, I'm going to take your car to a fast food drive-in, <laughs> take a picture of it, and everyone will think you went uh-huh. to Carl's Jr. Yeah, I know. I haven't been fast food like that. Just for if fun. you ask me favorite junk food, I'd say potato chips for sure, <laughs> or popcorn. Potato chips or popcorn. Okay, don't, don't ask go on. That you now. didn't ask. It. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that'll come up. Uh, favorite alcoholic or go-to alcoholic beverage? Oh, please. So easy. What? For me, it's uh, Ciroc vodka with a little bit of uh, fuzzy water and a splash of grapefruit juice. Ooh. <laughs> so if you now, and mostly because there's there's no calories in the vodka. See how that works? Ah. And my, if I really say my favorite in terms of flavor, mezcal for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Favorite childhood snack? That's you, Susan. Cheetos. Ooh. <laughs> Oreos. But you have Oreos. to but you have to twist them open. Yeah, you're twist I open. Mean, do you, yeah, did you I do mean, the double stuff before there were double stuff? Yeah. But the- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you want to know something? Stuff? What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to know something interesting about double stuff is <laughs> via marketing. Or an, I guess, yeah, marketing tool. Mm-hmm. It's the word "stuff" is only spelled with one "f" because it's technically not the double amount of cream. Oh, how wow, interesting! That's interesting. <gasps> oh, they're just so, they, so they're so bad. Sneaky, so, just sneaky. Oh, oh and- my god! <laughs> god, I don't even like Oreos anymore now. Now that you've told me, oh, not no. true. I love them always, always. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Sweet or savory? Oh, savory. Sweet. <laughs> I love that the both of you answered at the same time and opposite answers. Yeah, it's a story of our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Favorite food city, uh, domestic and international. Look at that gut food city. I don't have a favorite food city because who cares? Well, wow. maybe, maybe, I yeah. I... Boy, I know. Could be New York, New York or LA for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, international uh, country yeah. is India, probably uh, um, maybe Delhi. And I remember Italy being the food. We were just talking yesterday to a friend about how the pasta when we were in Italy had such flavor because of the 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 earth, you know, the ground, the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's like who who I never had pasta that had flavor before I went there, so that was pretty amazing. I'd say for me either <laughs> Delhi or Ho Chi Minh City. Ooh yeah yeah I need both. I need to go to Vietnam. I've only been to Thailand and then to uh, Shanghai because it was a long flight later yeah. on the way back from that trip. But uh, yeah, both India and Vietnam, and even even Italy. I've only been to Rome. Uh, oh, and that's just that's that's oh. a country that deserves its own yeah. like two week trip at least <laughs> for sure for sure because you've got the east side the west side you know oh, They're yeah. very different Food favorite wise. cuisine 
Indian. What's mine? I don't even know. See, you're asking food questions. I'm like, Bleh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so say Susan's. Susan's. Is your <laughs> Susan's cooking. <laughs> yes, good, Usually good Susan cooking at home, and I'm always saying things like, "There's so much salt in that. Why do you add so much vinegar?" <laughs> much vinegar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't listen. She doesn't listen to anything I say. <laughs> Guilty pleasure food. Mine is, is that popcorn. The chips? Yeah, yeah, mine is popcorn for sure. Chips or popcorn. Don't steal no. mine. That's mine. <laughs> I, it, probably potato chips. I do love potato chips. Yeah. She goes, I, I go to the Pistachios. store. Pistachios. I go to the store Ooh. and she goes, get potato chips. And I come home and we've got like four bags of potato chips. She's like, there's something wrong with her around <laughs> potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> pistachios are too. Pistachios. I love pistachios. Salted. Favorite condiment. Mustard. Gut, Susan. Mm. Gut. Don't think about it. <laughs> well, sriracha. Sriracha. Ooh, sriracha. Susan uses sriracha like ketchup. It's like, why are you drowning everything in sriracha? I like the acid and the heat. And and now for you, how long has like sriracha been in your world? Because it just seems like, you know, 10 years ago, all of a sudden it had this spike, you know? Yeah, I mean... You know, I like what it brings. It's not that I love sriracha. I like, you know, I like Tabasco for that same reason. I like sure. heat and vinegar. So yeah. sriracha is just an easy way to get that. But, you know, I could just as easily, you know, do serranos and vinegar. Um, you know, How do you get serranos in the middle of who knows where? <laughs> Every, you can get serranos anywhere. Said the non-cook. Yeah. I'm doing that for anyone who's listening who's not a cook. I don't even know what a Serrano is, except a, a city. <laughs> Isn't it a city in Italy? It's a ham. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right, that's what I meant. I meant a ham. My God, she's so, she's embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing. <laughs> you know what? I they have yeah, a lot no. to offer besides that. Uh. <laughs> don't make me justify my existence. <laughs> What was the last thing the two of you ate? Popcorn and pistachios. <laughs> I won't let her eat the popcorn. Coffee, lattes, lattes. Not eating apple. Yeah. Did you have an apple this morning? I had an apple, yeah. <sighs> okay. A I could change. That. I should. I should change that to consume. That would be yeah. probably interesting too. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Coffee. What would be your last meal? Oh, mine, I, mine would be a ribeye, mm-hmm. artichoke, avocado, and tomatoes. Mm. Okay, you ready? You know that, okay, so Susan's, I know this sounds self-serving, but it's not. Susan's new restaurant in Santa Monica called Socolo serves a taco that's mm-hmm. called Vampiro. Mm-hmm. And I think it's on blue corn, isn't it, the tortillas? Uh, or is that a different one? No, I think it is for the veggie one. Yeah. And well, I have the steak one and it is so good. It's so great. I can't stop eating them. So that Vampiro taco would be my last meal. Wow. I know. Isn't that nice? What an honor. Yeah. That's with the salsa matcha too. Oh, see? Mm -hmm. Mm. I didn't even realize. That's why. Awesome. Oh, man. I was supposed to come out to LA uh, for a wedding in April. Of course, that got uh, rescheduled. But um, hopefully coming out sooner than later, because I want to do episodes like I did for New Orleans, do like an L.A. takeover. So, uh, oh, that'd whoa. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll let yeah. you I'll let you know when I do that. You'll yeah, up, yeah, for sure. To, you'll come to Socolo. You'll eat those tacos. I'll watch you. I'll watch your eyes <laughs> to see what's going they on. Over, what's going They're on great. over there? <laughs> what's the thinking? What's happening? <laughs> dine in or dine out? Dine out. Mm. For sure. You both. know why? I you don't know, know why? Both. I like Wait, both. Dine out because you can leave. Mm. You know? You can leave. <laughs> like yeah. if you have friends and you meet them at a restaurant, when you're done with them, you can leave. Oh. <laughs> that's, actually, you, that's like such a that's such a Larry David answer. Yeah. <laughs> when your friends come over, you can't get rid of them. I don't know. You I know, think the only I thing think you can do in. is just I just go. I'm tired. I'm going to bed now. That's I, all I'd you say can do. Dine yeah. in. Dine in. Dine in. Because Susan loves to cook. <laughs> that's why. I don't want to clean up the dishes. I want to have someone serve me my drink. Of course, Susan could do that. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that part's good. <laughs> that part I have down. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your spirit foods? What food embodies your personalities? Your spirit? What embodies? Is it embodies you or what? Embodies, yeah, like you, like you, your personality, like mine, I think. And it's, I mean, it's a very generic answer. I could get more specific, but I would say like a sandwich, like a sandwich. Mm. You just, I feel like I'm on the go. I'm yeah. pretty likable. I'm diverse. <laughs> uh-huh. Or at least that's what I think about myself. Maybe that maybe I should ask people what yeah. they think. Right. That's what are. I was gonna say is you should ask each of us. I think Susan loves this pork. What is that stuff that you always dip in? Well, she doesn't do it anymore, but you know, you used to like just when it was being cooked, you couldn't stop eating it. Remember? It's like a You mean the chicharrones? Yes. Yeah, no, that's not it. No, I would, I think it, you know, I find it's the foods that most that I'm most drawn to. So then it makes me think that's somehow connected to me are things that are sort of like artichokes and avocados and sesame oil. These are all so artichokes and avocados, you have to peel them to get to know them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There we go. There's there's the filmmaker. There's the story. Yeah, teller. yeah. I there's... think it's that they're 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 earthy and rich and simple and complex. Just That's like how Susan. I think those oh uh, that food is. You said simple and complex. Those, yeah, those... I do. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> those are great answers. Yeah, I don't have anything like that. I don't got it. I don't get it. Let Susan come up with it, and then I'll see if I can make something out of it. Molding in us. Uh, Got anything? <laughs> I'm thinking. Wait, she just started checking her text message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. You know, this is weird. I'm yeah, like, that- not being a foodie, it's hard for me to define anything through meals or food or uh, I mean, because I, first yeah. of all, I'm a very simple eater. I do not like complex flavors. That puts me in the totally opposite camp from Susan. She loves complexity in her, in her, mm-hmm. in her food. I do not. I don't even like mixing the food on the plate. So wow, okay. yeah, yeah. I like to experience each thing in its glory. Sometimes like I did a thing where Susan was making tuna, right? This has been the age old. She makes, you want some tuna salad, but she put so much junk in the tuna salad which made me realize she doesn't like the taste of tuna. 
because when she's done, <laughs> when she's done, you can't taste any tuna in that. You've got so much onion and you know uh, uh, celery and apples and eggs and a whole chunk <laughs> of what is that sweet relish? And it's like there's no tuna left. I <laughs> I literally could open a can of tuna and eat some tuna out of it. I do tend to like. Maybe you're a can of tuna. I'm a can. I'm a simple simple eater. Let's put it this way. There is power and grace in the way uh, uh, food was created. And I love to experience it the way that it was meant to be. Oh, God. I wish I wish we were recording in person just so I could see what on each other's faces and the looks. Yeah, before she rolled her eyes and said, "Oh God, it was really good." (laughs) Yeah, the power, the yeah, the the beauty, the grace. I used the word grace. Wasn't that good? Yeah, yeah, that was good. Okay, if I say so myself. (laughs) Favorite uh, movie theater snack. Popcorn. Popcorn. Come on, man. <laughs> the only, the only, on, man. only movie theater snack. <laughs> With butter. Yeah. And, unless, salt. Unless, yeah. and it's, salt. unless it's not real butter, then we don't do it. Yeah. Because gotcha. that's, that's just chemicals. We can get that by breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, definitely, uh, if, if some of the questions haven't been gut instincts, maybe this one won't be as well, but... A great, if not greatest, lesson you've learned when it's when it comes to food. But also, Liz, if you want to say something that a great lesson you've learned when it comes to filmmaking, I would love to hear that as well. Okay, okay, I have one. Okay, a great lesson I learned about what filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> Susan, about what? <laughs> she stopped listening after it was not about her. Um, <laughs> Just teasing you, honey. Okay. Um, here's the thing. So, so I've made, you know, you make mistakes and then you learn from them. And I think one of the big lessons I learned was to really, really allow the actors to um, control the time, the timing. You can't really allow everyone to control everything because you've got such a time crunch you're working against to get, you know, all the scenes that were planned for that day have to be shot. Otherwise, you're going to have a big problem. Mm-hmm. But but the actors need to have an environment where they can really do great work. And if you're rushing and you don't allow them to feel comfortable and don't allow them to really do their best, then what have you got at the end of the day, you know? You got yeah. great great lighting and maybe not a great performance. So you really have to allow them to you like slow down and make sure the actors have what they need to do their best work. Mike when Trump. it comes to your style of directing, mm-hmm. do you do do you like to do like a, a table read or are you more hands-on on the set? I, I have I have not done a table read mostly because I haven't had the um, luxury of it. Gotcha. Okay. You know, usually actors are busy. I've been lucky enough to work with people who are working actors, you know, in the in- mm-hmm. industry and you know their time is so precious. So it's yeah. very hard, especially for me now, I've only done short films. So for a short film, it's hard to, to ask people to come in and do their thing, you know. Um, so mostly we've been working out on the set and that's been, that's been fine, you know. Next yeah. time, next time we'll do, we'll do all the good rehearsal stuff um, when I do the feature. And Susan, any, uh, a, well, great, a great lesson you've learned? I mean, I, 
if I could break it down to the absolute simplest, I think the two most important ingredients for cooking. So if it's something complex or something very, very simple is salt and acid. Because even just something like an avocado with salt and acid is like the perfect bite. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, without that, even no matter how great the quality of ingredient it is, oftentimes for me, it ends up flat. But, But you can by the addition of salt and acid, you sort it brightens everything. That's perfect. Uh, those are two, uh, I think, very great lessons that the foodies and just every listener will really appreciate. So the, thank you for sharing this. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, can I tell you something? Please. When I saw your P.S. I Love Hoffman, mm-hmm. your name on the... I, I have been reading it until you mentioned it. I have been reading it as... I didn't know what it was. I thought it was Silva Hoffman. Hoffman. I thought he must be from the Baltics. Don't know what that is. The the B must be silent. I didn't know what that was. So thank you for clarifying that for me. You're you're welcome. Well, I, I can't thank the two of you enough for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Liz, thank you very much for, I mean, re- reaching out to me. And, oh, uh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. I love what you're yeah. doing. Thanks. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. And you have to reach out to us when you come out to LA. Definitely. Uh, okay. So please right now, if you'd like anyone, if you want to share your, you know, uh, Instagram or just tell people where they can find you, any of that good stuff. My Instagram is Liz Lockman. <laughs> and my last name is L-A-C-H-M-A-N. So that way they can find me that way or LizLockman.com. That's about it. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah. I don't even know what my other things are. Your website. That was it, LizLockman.com. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is Susan Feniger. That's my Instagram. Or they can always go to the Border Grill website. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. It's something my grandmother always says when the uh, plate is getting sparse. It's there's more to cut, but I feel like that's just uh, something that transcends into a great lesson that there's more out there in life. So if uh, I don't know if you want to say at the same time or one of you wants to say it, uh, but if you don't mind reminding the foodies out there that there's more to cut. (laughs) Ready? Yeah. There's There's more more to to cut. cut. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs> yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet-